the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV, available now at your nearest Kia dealer. This is Sports Day. Great moments in rugby league history, of course, the West Tigers' first premiership in 2005. And one of the masterminds behind that, he's one of the master, the most astute minds in rugby league. And so much respect for this man and um, current head coach of the West Tigers. And he's taken time out of his busy day to join us on Sports Day. I talk of, of, of other than none other than Tim Sheens. How are you, Timmy? Good, Scotty. How are you, mate? I'm very, very well. Matty Rogers is here as well. Hey, Tim Sheensy. And um, yeah. I'm Matt. Before Long we, time, mate. Yeah, it has yeah. been, yeah. Before we get into uh, any rugby league talk, I, I just want to say thank you for uh, your kind message about, about Dad. And it took me back, Sheensy, about when um, I, I came to the club in 2004. And I said, Dad, you would have played against Tim, did you? He goes, oh, yeah, I played against him. He said, I think it would have been 70, maybe 71. He said, we played on the yeah. same side of the scrum. And he said, that guy knew yeah. how to fight for the loose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's me big head, mate. I, uh, <laughs> I made it difficult for your dad to uh, to stick his head in the scrum. In those days, it was uh, fight for the loose. Um, and uh, nice and pertinent too, mate, talking about scrums when we lost a scrum feed the other day. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't happen very often. Um, which just doesn't happen. Well, when I spoke about the props, as I was telling you today, Scotty, and I said, listen, you lost the loose. And... And they both looked at me as much say, what do you mean? <laughs> so that's where we're at. <laughs> What's the loose head? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Tim, it's Matt, mate. Um, yeah. so, so, sorry, yeah, mate. mate. It's, uh, I, I was just I, – I look at rugby league uh, NRL coaches and I, I, the pressure that is on rugby league coaches, it almost seems unfair. Um, I wonder, with someone with a career of, of, like yours, why you would come back and, and throw yourself back into the fold? Is it the, the thrill of – you know, lining up week in, week out, or developing young players. What is it that brought you back? Well, I was initially mad asked to come back and help with um, in an administrative role, and and was happy to do so, and spent the best part of last year doing that. So, um, but the the situation when uh, become untenable with Madge and the club um, was to find an option, an option, and you know it's. You know, uh, we were we were chasing options in that regard. Anyway, at the end of the day, um, uh, then it was thrown at me about maybe Benji and mentoring. So in real terms, doing a an interim job. So normally you start with a contract and then you hope to extend your contract. So at the moment, I'm starting with a two-year contract knowing that ends in two years and then Benji takes over for the next three years. So it's basically mentoring him. Um, to, to take the club down the track in, in uh, as I said, in uh, two more years' time. Yeah. How, how is it, with that relationship, Tim, is, is it is it more of um, him shadowing you and watching you coach or is it more about um, him having a lot of input into the side or how, how does that work from from an outsider? It would be interesting yeah. to know how that sort of works. Well, it's interesting, yeah, Matt, because Tim and I was a little 
unsure about how much I would throw to him, how much I would want to dominate and so on. But a lot of head coaches today, you know, when you put on an offensive coach or a defensive coach, you've got to give them their run. You've got to let them go with it, you know. So with with our with our makeup, David Ferner obviously handles uh, the defensive side of the um, of the team, and Benji and Robbie do offense. Benji good ball, and Robbie get outs, you know, from your own end, that type of thing. Yeah. So they're running the offensive side, and um, and David runs the D, and I'm managing that from uh, over the over the, the four of them. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have my say, don't get me wrong. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And, yeah, when we talk selections and we talk um, development and so on. But when we're talking about, say, recruitment, um, we don't do anything that Benji won't agree to because <laughs> if it's going into his era, if I put someone on for 12 months, that's different. Yeah. But if we're going to do a three-year deal or a five-year deal with someone, he he has to agree. So what, what it happens, mate, when, when the transition comes, the end of next season... Um, there won't be anyone in the system, uh, uh, management or uh, management, I think football management or um, or players that he won't want. Yeah. Um, so they'll be there. So it's, it's, he, he's got fresh, clear water to um, to, to take it from there. Mm. A lot of the kids will be two years older too, mate, and um, and two more preseasons from. Uh, on top of this preseason, just gone will make a huge difference oh, yeah, to our big, development. Big as well. difference, yeah, you're yeah. seeing that with the Broncos yeah. players now. You've been in this situation before, oh, Tim. Yeah. 2003 when you came to the club, yeah. uh, 2004 finished ninth, and then 2005 you win the competition. So, from your experience, mm-hmm. what's the message? The best way to keep this playing group? I know it's only early on in the season, and maybe that's the message. Mm-hmm. It is only early on in the season. How do you keep them positive? How oh, do you keep yeah, them up? Mate. Well, there's a number of things, Scott. One's um, reminding them of those sorts of things. The history of the club and the history of football is, you know, look at England at the moment. Warrington, they're going to sack him in his first coaching year last year. Now he's leading the comp. Over here, all of a sudden, you know, um, uh, the Broncos have gone from zero to 100 and, and are leading the comp. So, you know, it, it is about the year at hand and the next year. The good thing about our game, as you guys know, is there's always next half, there's always next week, there's always next year. Now, for the coaches, that doesn't always count because uh, we get punted at times. But the game goes on, mate. No matter what, the game goes on, the club goes on. And the most important thing is the team and the club in real terms. Um, and uh, they're two old, great old foundation clubs and they'll continue to survive even though they get bashed and so on. But we'll have our time in the sun. Um, everyone does. You know, you know in a, a decade of playing at a club, you'll get maybe one or two, if you're lucky, chances at a, a premiership. Mm. You know, that window of opportunity. And then it sometimes goes when everyone retires together. Or, for instance, when we lost Scotty Prince after 05 and a number of senior players. Or Parramatta can go back all the way to um, to, the, uh, to the 80s and lost um, Sterling and Kenny. Never recovered from it. They still talk about who's the, you know, a halfback play there to replace Peter Sterling. So, you know, these things come and go in cycles. And um, so, you know, keeping their heads up is about there's always that opportunity and we grow every week. There's no such thing as a perfect game and don't even think you can play it, nor coached. I can't. I don't know any player could write down a date where he played the best game uh, as in a perfect game. Uh, it just doesn't happen. It's always about pushing forward towards that goal 
And uh, the other thing is to keep them positive, showing them the things, the good things we're doing and where we're growing, not and being, you know, being smart enough to know, you know, they've got to also look at the things they've got to improve because you're looking at it from a positive way, not a, oh, you idiots, you, you don't do this, you don't do that, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done this. You know, there's, it's just how you handle those things and keeping them you know, focused on going forward and the fact that they're learning um, each week, and that's what it's all about. Football is about learning till the day you finish. Yeah, and when you're having a lot of success, it's always the long game, and unfortunately fans aren't that patient, yeah. but it's no. always a long game. Now, no. I love how the club's been transparent about the succession plan with yourself and Benji and Robbie and co, but yeah. you've known Benji ever since he was 17 years of age when you brought him down from Cabra Park yeah. late in the week to have a couple of runs in 2003. What's, his, yeah. what's going to be his greatest asset as a coach? Well, two, uh, one, where do I go to two then? One, first of all, he is an intelligent football player. And, you know, I, as a coach, when I talk to players in a, in a room, you know, uh, you know, your team, you know who can see what you're thinking or what you're saying, rather. Uh, in other words, you know, they see it in their head. Other, other guys have to go out and practice it. Benji's one of those guys that can see what you're, saying without actually rehearsing it, if you know what I mean. So uh, the good players generally are like that. Uh, they don't mind sitting up the front of the room and answering a question, whereas lots of the guys up the back don't want to answer a question like the schoolroom. But mm. in saying that, Benji's one of those guys that was always um, ahead of ahead of his, of his time from the point of view of not only his game, but the way he thought about the game. Um, He's still young enough and, and to be remembered by those players as, a, as you know, no one remembers the uh, 11 tries or so I scored in my career. In my <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but um, so he's still pertinent. Um, he's intelligent. Uh, he and Robbie in particular, if I said something and in six months' time I contradicted myself, they would pick it up. Yeah. So they're very, very intelligent players. And showed that in the key positions that they played on the field. So um, I think that's going to hold him in good stead. He has good rapport with younger ones, with the Islander boys in particular, obviously, from his background. Um, so there's uh, there's lots of pluses. The big thing, of course, you're going to learn is all the politics and all the other things that come with the game, the media, the politics, uh, you know, from within your club and from without, the pressures and so on. The lunches you've got to go and do, the this, that, the other thing, and then dropping people and making tough decisions on people that affect their lives. So um, all those things will be coming in the future for him. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Um, mate, I just want to talk to you about Luke Brooks. One of our colleagues, Joel Kane, think, thinks he, he might be better yeah. as a six, give him more time, more room to run. But in the modern game, is, is the six and the seven, uh, is there much difference between them? Is, is it, is it depend on the role they play in the six nah. or the sevens? It just seems no, to mate, me that the, it's a very similar. The days of, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Manny. The, the days of of um, a six, a seven chasing the ball like rugby and the ten, or the rugby ten, or, yeah. or in our case, the rugby league six, rotating around with both his centres is long gone. Yeah. I mean, the Johns has changed that. You know, they, they had left and right. Mm. Um, Warren Ryan and, and playing left and right changed the game completely in the, in the you know, the 80s. Um, the, basically, your pivots are playing left and right. And today, the middle, the 13, has become, the lock forward has become a pivot in between, if you know what I mean. So 
he can play to the left, and a lot of the clubs are going now and re, you know, back to the the ball playing 13, and of course the ball playing nine. And the ones these days, not all the ones, uh, are are the old running style, the Graham Eady, you know, Gary Jack style. Mm. Now you're talking about um, they're the third halfback on the field. So, mm. you know, the, the idea of the seven always playing to the six or the seven, so-called organising the game, is not totally correct. Yeah. And in some instances, you can see it is. It's in the player. Um, and some clubs still go back a bit to the seven following the ball. Thurston's yeah. like was like that. You know, yeah. He followed the ball. And the six would have to rotate out of the way. Cooper Cronk was a bit like that. Yeah. Um, they're what I call a seventy-six. They played both roles a bit because they followed. The, they just followed the ball, followed the ball. Which is old style. That's Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, uh, yeah. you know, Alfie, Alfie Langer, and Kevin Walters. That type of play. Um, you know, Cliffy Lyons as a second receiver was a classic play, late, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm. That stayed wherever he went. And the fullback followed him. You knew where the ball was going, but you had to stop him doing it. Um, you know, breaking you apart with second rowers, whether it was Cleal or who knows, uh, out there in the old days was, um, you know, uh, big uh, Phil Lowe from England was yeah. crashing yeah, over, you know, with the Bobby McCarthy yeah. was, you know. So, yeah. you know, the, the game the game has got a various numbers of ways of, of being set up. But people have it stuck in their head that a seven is, because he's got a seven on his back, he's the organiser. So. Mm. Well, so the best game part of our games today is the nine is the organised. Yeah, the yeah, absolutely. The nines were hookers and dummy half passes. Now you've yeah. got nines driving teams to the position on the field they want to be, and then playing off nine was yeah that came from Mike Stevenson and yeah. uh, and the other pommy uh, hooker uh, Gray Johnny Gray, uh, whereas everyone else was a passer and, and had to win the scrum. Those guys are actually running out of dummy half playing. So yeah, the game's a... completely different to. Yeah. To um, yeah, what what most people think, and uh, with respect to Joel, who who I'm not going to bag yeah. at all. What I'm saying is, yeah, Joel, not every seven is a ball player. No, no. no. Well, I, I'll I've got to ask you, Adam Dewey. Uh, he he is uh, a phenomenal athlete. He didn't have his happiest game a couple of weeks ago. He's moved back to fullback. No. Do you yep. think this is his best position? I I mean, I, I do. I, and I'll tell you a number of reasons why. Yep. He's the alpha male in the group. Right. If you're talking about the dominant dog, he is that. Yep. If you watch him play fullback for Lebanon with Mitchell Moses playing 5'8", they had a very good combination going. Yeah. And they went pretty well, uh, Lebanon, for the in the World Cup recently. He's big and powerful, which is more and more fullbacks are leaning that size. But yep. it's not, again, one of those things that must be. Yeah, you'd be as big as Mitchell or... The trail I'm talking about, or you know, Gary Dowling in days gone by, you can still be the smaller fullback, Billy Slater type, which is involved all day, or the Jared Hayne type, who was a bigger fullback who just got involved, you know, on big moments, which mm. is, um, you know, and then so you've got various types of fullbacks as well. But the fullback is the guy, if you're playing from the middle of the field, is you know, boys, and you've got a left and a right, half on the left and a five-eight on the right, Who, wherever you go. I remember Steve Wilder saying to me once, he had Laurie Data calling from the left and Ricky Shaw calling from the right. He said to me, where do I go? Who do I get the ball to? I said to Gary Belcher. <laughs> <laughs> wherever the fullback is. Yeah, yeah. Wherever the fullback point. is. It's the extra man. where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's so important to have 
a, a, a fullback who knows his game and who picks the right option. Well, when Adam plays six, he plays right and it'll dominate that side. Yeah. But when he plays one, both sides get a fair share of the ball. And in this respect, the side that needs the ball because it's got the numbers is where he is where he can read. So that's why I rate him as a fullback. Um, he might not do the 12K or whatever it is Billy used to run, uh, but the important runs, neither would Luttrell and yeah. big guys like that. So, But the important runs, he can catch a ball, kick a ball, throws a lovely pass as a as a pivot, so he's not just running with the ball like the old uh, fullbacks used to do. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a... It's a third fullback, a third halfback, sorry, and, yeah. and I think a very important role. Makes does. sense. Yeah, it, yeah, it sense really sense. makes sense. Yeah. Now, I love talking to you about the history of the game, Sheenzy. Now, one of our colleagues, one of your mm. favourites, uh, Mal Meninga, said on one of our shows uh, last yeah. week that the 1994 side was the best team he played in to win a comp, but the 91 team mm. was the best team and season he played in but didn't get the result as the coach. Yeah. Agree or disagree? Yeah. Well, I reckon the 1988 side was as good as team in the Raiders that I had coached. Um, Ricky came in late in 88, but I had um, Peter Jackson, uh, Sammy Bacco, Young Lazarus, uh, Kevy Walters, uh, Ivan Henjak and Chris O'Sullivan had halfbacks coming out in the years. Mind you, there was no salary cap in 88. <laughs> um, and that side, that side um, and Bradley Clyde came in and Laurie Daly came into that side. So... It was it was an outstanding group of players, but we got beat by Ellery Hanley with a with a push off on Paul Pete Jackson, rest his soul, um, and scored a try and put us out. Next year we came back and won it in '89, as you know. '90 was the most dominant we were. I think we won everything that year: the preseason, the um, the uh, finished the minor premiers, and then won the premiership. Went straight through, and then fell away in 91 with a good side full of injury at the back end of the year. Ricky's famous groin injuries and mm. Laurie's hamstring and so on and so on. And we, we missed the three-peat. Then we reinvented ourselves after salary cap debacles in 91 um, and reinvented ourselves with the with the Pongas and the River Wickies and Johnny Lomaxes you know, from New Zealand and, um, and a pair of wingers that could run like the wind with Noah and Drew and Kenny Douglas. Yes, I remember those guys well. We absolutely, we absolutely blitzed our way through the through the year. But those those sides I mentioned, we were scoring, uh, you know, like I'm sure I, I've got all the figures in front of me, but three or four hundred points a year was un, not uncommon for us. Mm. You know? And Mal's goal kicking, God love him, with the sand and no tea and the toe poke <laughs> was hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, well, lucky so, you didn't um, need it. You didn't need it in most games, I yeah. think. <laughs> well, eventually, I had to go to Dave Fern, and that was a tough decision. Was to tell Mal that because uh, the synthetic ball, he wasn't uh, he wasn't comfortable with. And yeah. It was all, and the tea was coming out, so we needed around the corner. So Dave Fern ended up kicking. Now, Sheenzy, we uh, uh, before we let yeah. you go, before we let you go, we um, we've got this, these quick little quick fire questions that we get our guests to answer with uh, really simple answers. Don't here. ask me about my favourite player, please. No, I'm not going <laughs> to ask you that. No, well, no, be Scott Sutler. No, yeah, yeah, surely you were Scott. Yeah. You were yeah. top seven. Yeah. But anyway, um, from all yeah. the players you've coached, okay, which one player would you pick if they had to win a race over 100 metres for your life out of all the players you've coached? Who would who would who could win it to save me? Yeah, over 100 metres. You can only pick one of your ex-players. Oh, 
Uh, I'd go Kenny Nagus. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Kyogre yeah, Flash. Yeah. yeah, he was great. He was great. Um, Kenny, Nagus, Kenny Nagus could run in any gear, just stay in front of anyone. The yeah. harder they ran, the harder he ran. I remember, um, I remember, I remember it well, Shane. wasn't far behind that either. <laughs> yeah. He turned he, uh, he had just he had, he had X number of gears. Uh, Mullins, too, was pretty fair oh, yeah. as well. So I've been pretty lucky to have that yeah. group. Yeah. Okay, the one player over the years that, has, that asks the most questions, the most inquisitive player? <laughs> uh, Liam Fulton. <laughs> right. You don't a know lunatic, what he's taking. A lunatic. Yeah, yeah right. he is crazy. Oh, crazy. And remembers everything. Remembered <laughs> everything. Remembered yeah. everything. Um, always query me, what are, you, what are we doing? What are you doing? Uh, you know, what do you think about this? Um yeah, and you go into the all his personal stuff too. Um, you know, I said to him, "Marry rich." <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, he got that idea, and I think he went all right there too. But um, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, Fulton was full of full of full of queries okay. all the time. Last one before we let you go, and you've been great with your time. One play you would have loved to have coached Sheenzy, but you didn't get the chance to. Oh, good question. Um, I've been lucky enough to coach quite a few. Uh, what in my coaching career or playing career? Well, coaching career, coaching. I suppose, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting one. You, I know you sent me the questions, but I don't think I've had a chance to have a really good look at that one. Um, I would say Darren, although I did coach Darren Lockett. In the Australian team, yeah. But not on a week-to-week basis. In the Australian team, but not on a week-to-week basis, no. I think uh, he he and, uh, well, you know, Thurston, him and Cronk were all brilliant to work with. But I had, with Greg Alexander and Ricky and Princey and Ricky Stewart, I had had a pretty good run with Halfbacks too, mate. So, But Darren Darren was just that, uh, you know, unbelievable athlete. could break a game open, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, would I swap him for Laurie Daly? Probably not. So, mm. <laughs> so I'm all over the place, mate. <laughs> yeah. Place. No, you've yeah. coached plenty of it. And listen, could sit here and talk to you for hours. Always Absolutely. value your view on the game. Always giving with your time. A big game this Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium for the West Tigers up against the Brisbane mm. Broncos. So West Tigers fans, yep. if you are in Queensland, get out to Suncorp Stadium and give the boys a hand on Saturday night. Tim Sheens, coach of the West Tigers, thank you very much for your time tonight on Sports Day. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All the best, guys. Oh. Yeah, the award-winning seven-seat Kia Serrano. Timmy Sheens there, what a great chat. Yeah, it's just it, wisdom. You can, you can feel it coming out of him. Yeah. Like, you know, I think they just need to be a little bit of patience there at West Tigers. I yeah. think things might start to turn around. I tipped him as my team to improve this year, so still I, might. I, I believe. They still might. They still might. Let's get to a break. We'll go through the team list Tuesday after this. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. This is Sports Day. We'll be back soon.